I was injured while working several months ago. The pain is getting worse and worse, but I had to do my job. On the way to work this morning, I passed a sign on the road about a medical clinic. Would this free clinic have anyone who could help me with this pain? Can I be healed? Is there a healer? My son has been sick for days, and seeing him suffer is unbearable. I need help. I saw the church in town hosting a free clinic this week. Would they be able to figure out what's wrong? Would their medicine work? I have to try. Is there a healer? My eyesight has been getting so much worse lately. It's getting harder to drive. If I lose my job as a taxi driver, oh, I don't know how can I support my family. I saw that a church nearby is having a free optical clinic this week. I wonder if they have some new glasses that will work for me and help me keep my job. I wonder, is there a healer? Hurting people have always flocked to Jesus. They came in troves to see him, to beg for healing, praying for a miracle. And when they went on their way, bodies mended and souls transformed, their lips sang with praise, there is a healer. This is the beautiful ministry of Medical Missions Outreach. We partner with local pastors and missionaries in developing nations all over the world to minister to people who do not have access to quality health care. Pain and suffering bring thousands to a place where we have a chance to show them love by offering compassionate care. Then, a volunteer from that local church will share the message of the gospel with each patient, providing the spiritual care that he needs most desperately. Hello, this is missionary pastor Jerry Wyatt here in Morogoro, Tanzania. As we seek to reach our community uh, for the cause of Christ, we've been able to partner with Medical Missions Outreach, and they've been a, a tremendous blessing and a tool to draw people to Christ. They're able to come to our church and see their physical needs met, but more importantly, reaching them uh, with the gospel. And we've seen many, many hundreds of people trust Christ uh, through these outreaches. Uh, many that have been baptized, that have joined the church. I think of one gentleman in particular that trusted Christ the very first outreach and has helped out every single one since. We want to thank uh, Medical Missions Outreach for the tremendous uh, blessing they've been to us. Our church people love being able to invite family and friends using this tool uh, of medical missions to reach them for the cause of Christ. Our teams of volunteers typically see over 25,000 patients in more than 15 countries each year. Consultations, physicals, eye exams, dental work, physical therapy, even surgical procedures are done completely free of charge. After receiving the care they need, each patient then hears the beautiful message of the gospel in their heart language from a member of the host church. Thousands of these choose to trust the great physician with their spiritual healing as well, receiving Jesus as their personal Savior. 
partnering with Medical Missions Outreach enables us to not only show the love of Jesus, but to also share the love of Jesus as we come alongside hurting people who are in desperate need of not only physical attention, but spiritual attention. We partner along with our numerous churches from the jungle. Our leaders come down here and spend the whole entire week doing evangelism, talking to every single individual that passes through these gates. This week alone, over the last three days of, of uh, running the brigade, we've seen over 2,000 people. It's been able to connect us with our community. We've seen numerous leaders from our state government to our council government come through the doors here, being able to greet them, introduce yourself as a ministry that cares and wants to show love to people and connecting them with the church. And Medical Missions Outreach makes it possible for us to be able to make an incredible impact on our community that we would have otherwise never been able to access. We need you to lock arms with us, whether it be volunteering on a trip, collecting eyeglasses, funding a special project, or praying for us faithfully. We need you. All over the world, there is great pain and suffering. People are desperate for help, desperate for hope. But we have a message to share. There is a healer. He loves you. He died for you. He sent me here to care for you. Let me tell you about him. To learn more and find out how you can get involved, go to medical-outreach.com. Medical Missions Outreach, pointing others to the great physician. Now we go. Here we go. There we go. Well, I, that was not quite the dramatic entrance I was hoping for. Last night, Pastor promised me after I watched the girls' basketball team get introduced the way they did, he said, I'll do that for you at church tomorrow. I said, all right, I'm going to come up there fired up, ready to go. Um, I'm glad to be with you all today. Man, what an exciting opportunity to be here in Jamestown, Tennessee. Um, I have heard for years now, I'm being honest with you, I know there's some people who lie from the pulpit. I don't do that, all right? Everything I'm going to say today to you all is going to be true. I've heard about y'all's church for years. I really have. I've heard about the great things that God is doing here. I've heard about your love for other missionaries. I've met missionaries who are supported by your church that have had just nothing but great things to say about y'all. And I've been wanting to come here for years, but Pastor Matt said I couldn't come until Tennessee could beat Alabama. And so... Um, it'd been 17 years of waiting to get up here, but finally I'm here this year, ain't I? I'm here this year. I'm teasing. I had to tease him a little bit. I am Alabama fan. Y'all don't hold it against me. Uh, all right. That's all right. That's all right. There's blasphemy in the church everywhere, but that's all right. No, I'm teasing. I'm glad to be here though. I really am. Uh, as you saw from the video, God is doing amazing things through medical missions outreach, and I'm excited to tell you about it. And I'm excited that your church is going to partner with us and go on a trip next year. Uh, after you look at that video, how can your heart not be stirred? How can you not sit here and think about how good God has been to you? He's been good, hasn't he? Uh, I mean, every single one of us, we woke up this morning and we had a roof over our head. Uh, some of us, I heard there's somebody that had a tree fall on their house. And I am really sorry for that one too. I am. I, I hope that God will bless there. Uh, but hey, you know what? We live in America where you had an opportunity to have insurance that'll cover it. You have friends that'll come help you put it back on. Uh, there's some of you this morning, you've gone through some health crises of your own here lately. Uh, we heard some prayer requests at the beginning of church. Aren't you glad we live in a country where we have phenomenal Medicare uh, medical care right here near us? Uh, you're, you're right here near Vanderbilt. Man, what an incredible hospital system they have. Uh, you've got all kind of health facilities nearby that can help you in a crisis in a moment. If you woke up this morning, you weren't 
feeling well, you probably could go to your medical cabinet. You could open it up and find medicine there. If not, you could drive down to Walmart. You go, y'all got a CVS here? Y'all got something. Y'all got somebody nearby that's got a pharmacy. I mean, you have access right here at your fingertips to be able to get care and help. But I hope you understand that that's not the way the majority of the world lives today. Uh, There are a lot of people that today they're waking up and they're finding that they have a child that's sick, a spouse that's sick. They're waking up with that same old medical condition that's been chronic, something that's been aching pain that they've been living with for years now, feeling as if there's no hope, there's no help nearby. And we're praying for God to open doors that we can go run to them, that we can tell them that there is a healer. His name is Jesus Christ. And we will do our best to treat you ethically and compassionately with our medical care. But we want to point people to the great physician. And man, is God doing great things. Uh, This past year in 2022, we had right at 23,000 patients come through our clinics. Uh, And it was phenomenal to see how God worked. We were everywhere from Mongolia to to Tanzania, South Africa, Ecuador, Peru. We were on the Galapagos Islands serving a remote people group there. It's been amazing to watch what God is doing. And listen, I'm not trying to just give you a bunch of big numbers to try to impress you. What I want you to understand is every single one of those patients have a soul and they're going to spend eternity in somewhere. And what's an incredible opportunity for us is to use medicine to open their hearts to hear the gospel message. We had right at 3,000 people trust Christ as their Savior last year. Can you even handle that? 3,000 people. Um, that told us, they, they came to us and they told us, they said, Hey, I want to put my faith in Jesus Christ. It was not contingent on their medical care. We didn't say, Hey, you got to pray this prayer. If you want to get medical care. Nope, not at all. In fact, we do that all at the beginning because we want them to know we see you. We understand that you are someone just like me. You were created in God's image. doesn't matter what color your skin is, what language you speak, how much money you have in your bank account, what city or country you grow up in. Uh, you were created in God's image and you deserve dignity and respect. And we're going to help you to the best of our ability But we want you to know that what causes us to come to your community is the love of Christ. Uh, We were in West Africa and everybody's favorite vacation resort town, Ouagadougou, Burkina Faso. Y'all been there, right? Uh, we were in West Africa and I remember our clinic was across the street from an Islamic uh, mosque. And after the call to prayer had ended, the people flooded out of the mosque and came across the street to the little Baptist church where we were working and they got in line to receive care. After we had been there all day and we were seeing patient after patient, helping them as fast as we possibly could, the imam came across the street and he wasn't happy and he wanted to talk to me. And he asked me, he said, why are you in my community? Why are you doing this? And I told him the real answer. The only answer I could give him, I said, because we love y'all. I might have said you just because it would translate better. But I said, uh, because we love you. And he said, you don't even know me. How can you love me? And I said, because God loved me so much that my heart overflows with love for other people. And I want them to know the Savior that I know. I want you to know peace and hope and joy and love. I want you to know for sure heaven could be your home instead of hoping that paradise might come to you. I want you to know the security of a Savior of Jesus Christ. We have a powerful opportunity, uh, an effectual open door for us to be able to go around the world and assist missionaries. Today, this morning... Our team is in Senegal, West Africa, a predominantly Muslim country. Would you pray for them this week? Pray for God to give them safety as they're ministering alongside the Mead family, missionaries that have been there for quite some time, church planting in San Luis, Senegal. Pray for them as they minister. Next week, we have a surgical team that'll be going down to Honduras to our 8,000 square foot surgical center. We'll be providing surgical care to people who have been on a waiting list for years waiting to get care. We can't wait to go and try to meet these physical needs so that we can in turn tell them about 
Jesus Christ. And it's an exciting thing to be a part of. And I can't wait to tell you more tonight. I want you to do me a favor. I know that in Jamestown tonight, there's a bunch of really crazy, fun, amazing things happening in town. But would you do me a favor? Come to church tonight. Seriously, come out tonight. Uh, I want to be able to share some more details about what we do and how we do it. I want to tell you how you can be involved. There's not a person in this room this morning that cannot be involved in what we do. Um, I want you to come on a trip. I want to tell you how you can get on a trip and what you would do on a trip. Uh, In fact, before I forget... We have a table right over here, and I'd love for you to pick up some information. A couple of things I want you to pick up. Would you pick up our family's prayer card and pray for our family? Uh, we do have one person missing off of this. Uh, I have my son Jude with me. He's 16. And then I have another son, Noah, who's 16. I have a daughter, Lulu, who is 14. Ruby, who's 12. And about six months ago, God brought a five-year-old boy named David to stay with us. And we're excited about him being in our house. But he's not on our prayer card because he was bad. And, no, I'm teasing. That's not it. Um, it he just that he, we just hadn't had one remade yet. So pray for us. So grab one of our prayer cards so you can pray for our family. Pray that God will keep us safe as we travel. We got a lot of travel we'll do this year. Uh, our family will be leaving for Thailand here in a few weeks to go with the team to offer medical and optical care there. Would you pray for our supplies? It would probably blow your mind if I told you how much medication, how many supplies, how much equipment, how many latex gloves, tongue depressors that we have to take with us. The amount of care to to serve uh, 25,000 patients is an enormous amount. Would you pray that God continues to supply those needs? We've got great partners around the country, and I'd like to tell you how you could maybe help us bridge the gap with even local partners here in your community. So come tonight. Let me share that with you. Pray for our safety. Pray for our supplies. Uh, Another thing, would you pray for more servants? more people to travel with us. The more people who travel with us, the more patients that can come in the door. Uh, This week, there's 40 people on the team in Senegal. We're hoping for 3,000 patients to come through the clinic this coming week. Uh, We have a team of 15 going down to do surgery. We're hoping to do about 55 surgical cases in those four days that they're down there. We need more people to travel with us. And this is where you come in. If you're here this morning and you are a medical professional, I hope you understand you got a God-given skill set. Not everybody can handle the blood and the guts and the sights and the smells of medicine. Am I right? Is there anybody else like that? You, you don't like that. Uh, and if you're a medical professional, uh, you've got a God-given skill set. Probably you have a good job. God takes care of you because we take good care of our medical professionals here in America. I hope you understand God did not give you that skill set just so that you can climb the ranks at your hospital, not so that you could have a bunch of initials after your name. God gave you that skill set to bring glory to him to use that to bring other people to Jesus Christ. You could do that on the mission field. You could come on one of our short-term trips and you could have an immediate and lasting impact in other people's lives. And I hope that you'll consider that. And for everybody that's in here right now going, yes, all you medical professionals go, I want you to know you're not off the hook because I need non-medical volunteers to come with me too. You're here and you're non-medical. It's all right. We can teach you some easy things. You could work in our triage. I could teach you how to do weight, blood pressures, and temperatures. That's very easy. And you could help us get the patients in the clinic faster. You could work alongside a nurse in the lab. If you're not scared of those kind of things, you could work and assist in that area. That would be a huge blessing. In our pharmacy, we fill about 12,000 prescriptions every four days. You can help get the medicine off the shelf so the pharmacist could fill it faster. That's a blessing. You could work in our optical clinic. People coming into our clinic that can't read, write, or drive because their vision is so poor, you could come in and give a visual acuity exam. Y'all know what a visual acuity exam is, right? Can you read this line? Can you read this line? Can you read this line? 
All right, good. You're all certified. You're ready to go. That's all it takes right there. Y'all are a smart bunch. I know we can do this. Uh, we need people just to come and help. There's all kind of jobs, all kind of positions. And each one of us, if we take our little spot where we are working and you combine the whole thing together, it's an incredible machine of watching people come in. They feel loved. They feel recognized. They feel uh, compassionate care. And it opens our heart to hear the gospel. And we're doing great things. I need you to be a part of this. Uh, so do me a favor. Grab one of these. So that you'll pray for our family. Uh, grab one of these uh, green cards here. Now, this one right here tells a little bit more about our ministry, a little synopsis there. And if you know someone in the medical f- uh, field, would you give it to them? I don't care what they are. They can be an RN, DO, MD, Farm D. Uh, they could be an EMT, paramedic, LPN, RNA, CRNA, whatever they are. If they got JR after their name, give them one of these things for me. I want to get some information to their hands so that they'll come. Even if you say, Bradley, I don't think that my doctor is a believer. Give it to them anyways. We've been able to lead a number of doctors and nurses to the Lord on the mission field. I'd love to help you reach your medical community for Jesus Christ. So grab one of those, give it to them. And then lastly, last thing I want to show you is this pink card here. Grab one of these. Um, This is for our optical recycle program. We need about a hundred thousand pair of glasses a year in order to have enough for the patients that will come in the door. We take about 6,000 pair per clinic trip. So right now they, they just left with 6,000 pair for Senegal. When that patient comes in and they have their visual acuity exam, they'll go over and have their eyes refracted. It's a a laser that tells the sphere cylinder, the axis of your eye. It kind of helps us know what prescription strength you need. And then we'll go through those 6,000 pair and we'll find the closest pair, which usually we always, God amazingly gives us the pair that's just right there. It's, it's perfect for them to use and we'll put those glasses on their face, but we need help finding glasses. I see a bunch of you wearing glasses. How many of you this morning, if I took your glasses away from you, you couldn't function. Is there folks like that? All right. I I believe it. Now, how many of you that wear glasses, you got that special drawer at home that's got four or five of your old pair of glasses in it that you've been hanging on to? All right. Y'all quit being greedy and give me your glasses. All right. (laughs) Seriously. um, Consider giving, donating your glasses to our ministry. You can find an address where they can be sent to, or if you'd like to take up a big collection from the church and send them all at one time, we would love that help. We'll clean them, tighten them, straighten them. We'll run them through a lensometer. They'll be labeled, bagged, boxed, and ready to send out of the country. And could you imagine, wouldn't it be awesome to think about your glasses sliding onto the face of someone maybe in Thailand in a few weeks that all they'd ever heard was that Buddha was the the true peacemaker. He was the one that was going to give them uh, uh, eternity of some sort. Could you imagine them having those glasses slide on their face and they could finally see clearly the world around them, but those glasses being used for them to see clearly Uh, Jesus Christ tells me he's the only way, the truth, the life, and that no man comes unto the father, but by him. Could you imagine having a part like that? It's that simple. It really is. You could send in your glasses. You could help us. And we would absolutely love that. I'd love to answer a few questions for you afterwards. We've got other brochures that'll talk to you more about our physical therapy program, our dental program. Uh, We've got stuff about uh, uh, if you're in school studying medicine, uh, we have internship programs available. Tell you more about our surgical center in Central America. I'd love to tell you more. But tonight, for sure, I'm going to give you more details. I'm going to plug you in and tell you how you can be an active part of what God is doing around the world. All right, I'm talking wicked fast. I know I am, forgive me, um, but I'm trying to get a lot of information into a short amount of time. I know there's only two restaurants and we gotta beat the Presbyterians to it before they get out of church, don't we? Uh, Take your Bible real quick, go to Mark chapter two. Mark chapter two, what time do we need to be done, Pastor? He said 2.30, y'all believe that? Wow, I'm teasing. Mark chapter two, Mark chapter two real quick. 
Again, I'm going I'm to keep talking fast so you listen fast, all right? I know y'all don't believe I'm from Alabama, but I am, and I can talk this fast and enunciate to some degree. Mark chapter 2, we're going to start at verse number 1. And again, he entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straightway, many were gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them. Isn't this incredible? Jesus comes to town. Everybody wants to come. I would want to come too, wouldn't you? I got this shoulder, I had surgery on it, but it still pops and it still aches and hurts a little bit. It ain't right completely. And if I knew Jesus was in town, I'd be going over and I'd say, Jesus, just wink at it, just nod at it, something I know, I believe you can heal it. I would have wanted to be there too. So everybody in town comes to see Jesus. This house is so crowded, you can't even get in the door. And what does Jesus do? He entertains them, doesn't he? No, he doesn't. He doesn't entertain them. There's no, there's no crazy show going on. What does Jesus do when he gets a crowd? He preaches the word to them. Listen, this is one of the things I know. If I can get a crowd to come to my medical clinic, it's not to astound them with our medical prowess. I want to give the word of Jesus Christ to them because he even teaches me that's number one. This is the best thing that you can do. Give them my word. Uh, we know our medicine's only going to last so long. Man, I'm not crazy. I know that those hypertensive patients that come in, sure, we're going to start them on their Captopril. We're going to teach them some lifestyle modifications that they need to make. We're going to tell them all about the foods that they should be eating and the exercise that they should be doing. But the reality is this. At the end of the 30-day supply of medication we give them, majority of them are going to be stuck with this question. Do I take what little money I saved up to buy more medication and buy medication, or do I buy food for my child in the next room because they need it? And more than likely, they're going to choose their child. Their health is going to continue to deteriorate. Those glasses, man, is it awesome to give them hope and to give them that opportunity to see. But I'm not crazy. I know that our eye continues to degenerate at a quick level. And they're going to need more glasses in just another year or so. And if we don't come back to town, they may not be able to see again down the road. But the truth is, if I can give them Jesus Christ, I can change their world. I can change everything for them. Jesus is preaching the word, verse number three, and they come unto him, bringing one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. Uh, there's brachial palsy, there's Bell's palsy, there's cerebral palsy. We're not sure exactly what type of palsy this is. Most people would believe that it's cerebral palsy. He probably could not walk. He could not function on his own. So he's got these friends that are bringing him to Jesus Christ. And when they could not come nigh to him for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of the palsy lay. These boys must have been from Alabama. That's redneck ingenuity right there it's best, ain't it? I can't get in the door. I'm just going to rip the roof open. I'm going to get him to Jesus any way I can. When Jesus saw their faith, he said unto the sick of the palsy, son, my sins be forgiven thee. But there were certain of the scribes sitting there, reasoning in them heart, their hearts, oh, why did this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said to them, uh, why, why, why reason ye these things in your heart? Whether it's easier to say to the sick of the palsy, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, uh, arise, take up thy bed and walk. But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of the palsy, I say unto thee, arise, take up thy bed and go thy way into thine house. And immediately he arose took up his bed and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, "We never saw it on this fashion. Uh, listen, could you imagine this scene that day? Here's this man that probably, more than likely, I don't know, maybe has cerebral palsy. 
If you've ever met someone that has cerebral palsy, you know that as a result of this condition, a lot of times uh, their extremities will kind of be withered. Uh, A lot of times because of lack of use, there's atrophy in the muscles. A lot of times their hands will kind of be curled in like this. Their feet will be something similar to that. Uh, Sometimes when you see this person, they may have skin breakdown. If they don't have uh, someone that's nursing and caring for them on a regular basis to help rotate them in their positions, uh, it's very, very, very common for them to begin having skin breakdown, maybe some bed sores that will develop. Uh, This is a person that probably, uh, when we think about this time period, knowing that there's not all the social services that you and I have available to us today, is probably someone that's been left destitute. They've got to fend for themselves. They've got to come up with what they can or a family member has to help them to the best of their ability. And I look at this man's condition as I think about this passage of scripture and I think, wow, this would be a very difficult time period to to be born and have this issue. Uh, Like I said earlier, Vanderbilt, man, state-of-the-art medical care over there. They're making incredible strides with helping people with paralysis, be able to have mobility again. It's phenomenal, the work that they're doing there, but there was nothing like that in this time period. It's hot, Middle Eastern culture and country, probably left on the side of broken, dirty, rocky roads to beg and ask for anyone that's passing by to do something to alleviate the pain, to do something to help him just live another day. And what's incredible about this passage of scripture is the fact that there's these four people that are carrying him to Jesus Christ. I I, I can't help it. I want to know the behind the scenes portions of this scripture. I want to know who are you and how did you know this guy? I want to know the story. When I get to heaven, y'all go see Peter and Paul. I'm going to go look for these four fellows. I want to know why, why were you so concerned about him? Did you know him? Did you pass his way every day, maybe on your day to work? Uh, Was it the fact that maybe his mom was friends with your mom? Did you grow up together? in the same barrio, the same little area. How do you know this guy and why were you so concerned about his condition? I don't know, but I can tell you this. I believe with all my heart that these were just some guys with some incredible compassion. They were some guys with some incredible compassion that led them to have a deep conviction that if anybody can do something about his condition, it's got to be Jesus Christ. Um, I love the lengths that they went to to get him to Jesus Christ. Again, the four of them working together to get him to Jesus Christ. What an incredible picture that is. Um, When I think about this passage of scripture, I can't help but realize that there's been so many times in my life, while I might not know a paralytic man that's been left on the side of the road, I've met a lot of people who've been paralyzed in life that feel hopeless, that feel helpless, that feel like they've just been left stranded getting by day by day to the best of their ability. You see, I believe with all my heart that this passage of scripture really is teaching me that there's a lot of people in this world that I need to get to Jesus Christ. I don't know what it's like here in Jamestown, but I can tell you this. I've had plenty of experiences meeting people who they've had those track marks all over their arms, thinking that they're going to find some kind of peace. They're going to find some kind of forgetfulness by putting something into their body because they just want to do away with maybe the things that have happened to them or the things that are going on in their life at that moment. And they're not really finding it. We've had plenty of people who've come into our clinics that have all kind of STIs, infections that they're coming because they think going from one set of arms to the next set of arms to the next set of arms, they're going to find love there and they're going to find some kind of acceptance and that's really not going to fulfill them at all. They just continue to break down further and further. Their, their life, their hope, their, their joy continues to atrophy more and more until they finally find themselves one day just kind of curled up, broken, in a dark place, 
wishing that somebody cared about them. This guy's condition is heartbreaking. But the light kind of breaks through when these men are so concerned for him that they decide to work together to make a difference in his life. I don't know if you've ever tried to help someone that couldn't help themselves. If you've ever tried to carry someone who was unconscious. Uh, I was in Honduras one time and a lady passed out in line and me and a few nurses ran down there to assist them. And uh, we started an IV on this lady. She had passed out from just uh, dehydration. And I remember uh, saying, hey, we're going to send her to a hospital for a workup just to make sure. And I'm on my knees next to this this small Latina woman. And I said, uh, I'll get it. And I, they were wanting to help pick her up and carry her. Here I am. I'm the big guy from Alabama. I can do this. So I scoop this little lady up. And as I try to stand up to carry her to the truck, the problem is she's unconscious and she's not helping me. She's not leaning in. She didn't put her arm around me, nothing like this. So arms flopping out over here, legs are kind of flailing everywhere. And I'm struggling to get this woman to the car. And the three nurses just look at me like I'm a complete idiot. Like, Hey, just let me help you. Um, I was struggling to do it by myself. I think it's beautiful when the body of Christ comes together to get more people to Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, that person that you know that maybe goes to your school, that person that works in the cubicle down from you, that neighbor that you know is struggling in their marriage, that single mother that works at the shop that you go to all the time, that you know she's going through some really hard times. Let me tell you this, Faith, we don't have to do this individually. We can come together and get people to Jesus Christ together. And it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing when we use the opportunity to actually pray for people and not gossip about people because our hearts are so deeply concerned that we want to see God make a change. And man, what a beautiful picture of these four guys working together, bringing this man to Jesus Christ. And when they got there, the obstacles that they faced were nothing. They were willing to push through. They were willing to do whatever it takes to get him to Jesus Christ And I can only imagine what that was like. Again, I said it before, it's a Middle East. It's hot, it's dusty, it's dirty. They're carrying a grown man across town probably. They get to this house. They've got to get all the way up to the roof. They're going to break open the roof. They're going to lower this man down because they had faith that Jesus Christ is the one that can make a difference. I could tell you story after story of the fact that Jesus Christ is the one that makes a difference. It's not our medicine. It's not going to be any self-help book that people can find. It's not going to go through just a recovery uh, process that they may go to for an addiction that they have. It's not going to be just the counseling that's going to help break through a marriage. It's not going to help uh, for that person just to be able to speak to a counselor about the hurt that they're facing. It's got to be Jesus Christ stepping into the equation to see a true miracle take place. And for you and I, when we get convicted, when we get uh, that purpose, when we have that compassion that that dwells within us, that causes us to just be overflowing with love and, and wanting to make a difference, and we start bringing people to Jesus Christ, it's amazing what happens. In fact, when you look at verse number five, these guys brought them to brought this man to Jesus Christ. And the Bible even says when Jesus saw their faith. These five guys that knew, that believed, that trusted, if anybody can change his life, it's the one who created his body. Uh, The book of Psalms tells us he knew us in our mother's womb when we were formed. He knows every hair on our head. He knows every detail about us. He knows every pain we've gone through. He knows every help that we need. And the Bible scripture teaches us if we get people to Jesus Christ, this is where answers come from. This is where healing comes from. This is where help comes from. From Jesus Christ, it's a matter of us having the faith to actually be involved and do something about it. I look at this, and while there were other skeptics, 
And there were people sitting there reasoning in their hearts, like it says in scripture, they're wanting to point fingers they're wanting to look at the methodology that took place they're wanting to look at the words that were used, all those kind of things. You cannot argue with the fact that Jesus Christ intervenes in this situation and he changes everything. We were in Kenya, Africa, and uh, we were in clinic this day and um, we had these five schoolgirls who came in to see uh, our physicians. Now, that's a very common thing. A lot of times in foreign countries, the school-age teenagers like to come in, and a lot of countries, English is taught as a second language in their school systems. And, and a lot of times the teenagers will come in, they want to practice their English, and, hey, how are you? What's up? You know, those kind of things, wanting to talk to us and, and just kind of see what's going on. Why is their excitement? Why are all these people here? And these five schoolgirls came in that day. They were still wearing their school uniforms. It's kind of a white button-up blouse. They wore blue, navy blue pleated skirts for the girls. Their, their pleated skirts went down to just below their knee. The fifth girl, her skirt went all the way down to the floor. It was very obvious. As soon as she walked in the door, her dress just looked different than everybody else's. We registered them all and we were kind of farming them out to the different physicians. And, and that little girl that had the long flowing dress, the, the longer one, uh, there was just something different about her. She walked in the door, have a flat affect. Didn't want to make eye contact, just kind of kept her eyes down. Very quiet. The others were all excited. They were bubbly to be in the clinic. And this girl was just super quiet. We, we registered them, got them out to the physicians. And this young lady, she sat down with one of our, our, our doctors and he just looked at her and said, hey, what brings you in today? How can I help you? And she very sheepishly, very quietly uh, just began to pull up her skirt a little bit, just, just up high enough to where he could see her ankle. And it was obvious what the problem was. Uh, she had an issue, it's called elephantiasis. Uh, basically, elephantiasis is when a parasite gets into your lymphatic system. It'll get into your lymphatic system and, and they begin burrowing into your lymphatic system and they'll get up near a lymph node and these parasites kind of anchor themselves down in your lymphatic system. They anchor themselves in and your body, as a means of trying to expel them to get rid of it, produces a lot of lymphatic fluid. Lymphatic fluid is what causes swelling. Uh, if you've ever sprained an ankle or you've, you've injured yourself, you know the swelling that takes place. That's your lymphatic system expanding to protect all of the other uh, organs or, or parts of your body. And her body was producing this lymphatic fluid, trying to expel this parasite, but it couldn't do it. That, that parasite was anchored in there pretty tough. As her body continues to produce that lymphatic fluid, it, it continues to grow larger and larger. The skin will begin to stretch. Sometimes the skin can even rupture. It'll break. Her skin had stretched so greatly that it kind of just folded over on the outside of her ankles. Uh, her foot was in a little pair of sandals and her toes, her, her foot was swollen so big, her toes just kind of spread out wide. And that flip-flop was just kind of hanging onto her foot. The doctor looked at me immediately. He knew exactly what the problem was. Here's the problem, though, for us as a medical team. The, the, the medicine that you use to cure that, it's controlled by the World Health Organization. It's only put into certain pharmacies around the world. You really have to be in a capital city to get it. It's very expensive. But we knew the problem. We knew the medication that she needed. We just weren't close to it. And, and he was kind of dejected as well. He continued the examination. And that's when he found it wasn't the only problem she had. Uh, on the backside of her ankle, uh, a part that she couldn't see, there was a, a huge gash and it was severely infected. She probably couldn't even feel it because of the swelling in her leg. But as soon as he saw the infection, he knew this is probably even more important. This infection could cost you your leg, could potentially cost you your life. Uh, we've got to take care of this infection. So he looks at this girl who's sheepish, who's shy, who feels ashamed just even showing him her injuries, her problems. And he says, hey, 
why don't you come with me over to a treatment room and, and, and we're going to try to help you. She gets up, walks into the treatment room, and there's a young lady about 18 years old. She's studying nursing at a Christian college who jumps off the table next to the nurse and says, what can I do? I'd like to help her. We just said, hey, listen, can you, can you clean this wound for us? Can you wash this out for us? We've got to get it cleaned, and we're going to put some medication. We're going to start her on some oral antibiotics, and we're going to bandage this all up. We're, we're going to take care of her. So, yeah, you could help us by cleaning this. And she began to wash that little girl's foot, and that's about the time that I came walking by. I walked by just in time to see her cleaning that, but I was fixed on the little girl, the patient, because she had tears running down her eyes. I said, okay, stop for just a minute. I I grabbed a translator. I said, come here for just a minute. I said, if this is too painful for her, we'll stop. We can give her some kind of ana, uh, some kind of antiseptic. We can give her uh, something for for the anesthesia for the pain, you know, something like that to help out. Uh, But if this is too painful, we don't want to cause a traumatic experience here. We just want to try to help her. And the translator asks her a question and she replies back to him and they kind of go back and forth for a minute. I'm just like, hey, this is yes or no question. Does this hurt too bad? We we need to move on. What's going on here? And finally, the translator looks at me and now he's got tears in his eyes. And he says, Bradley, she's not crying because it hurts. She's crying because nobody's ever touched her there before. She just told me that her parents think that she's demon possessed. And this is the demons trying to morph her body into something ugly and horrific. She was telling me that people at school think she has a communicable disease and nobody really wants to be friends with her because they're afraid they'll catch what she has. And in that moment, in this quiet, dirty mud hut that we were working in in East Africa, my heart was broken to look at a girl and say, no, you're perfect. You were created on purpose, for a purpose. And the God that created everything loves you so much right here the way you are that he would die on the cross for you. And we're going to do everything that we can to help you. And we did. We bound up her wound and we did everything that we could with the medication and gave her the the stuff. But the greatest part was whenever I got her finished and we walked her over and I introduced her to the pastor's wife. And she could sit down in Kiswahili and tell her, just how wonderful Jesus is. And tell her that when no one else understands what's going on in your life, he does. When no one else seems to care, he does. When no one else seems to love you, he always will. And man, what a great opportunity to see that little girl trust Christ as her Savior. I know for a fact that there are people here in Jamestown that feel broken. It's true. Our country is facing one of the greatest opioid epidemics that we've ever seen. Suicide rates are out of control. Homes are breaking apart on the day, every day. We're seeing teenagers who don't feel like they know who they are, what they are, or what purpose they would have in life. We're seeing people who are losing hope on a regular basis. And do you know what it's going to take to make a change? It doesn't matter which way you vote. That's not going to bring a change doesn't matter what the next bill is that's introduced into your state's legislature. It's not really going to change anything. What's going to change everything is when you and I, we finally say, I've experienced it for myself. I've seen it. I know it. I've even heard it. I've felt it. And I want to help somebody else know what I know. I want to bring more people to Jesus Christ. 
When we as church bodies come together and you say, you know what, doesn't matter what it costs, what it takes, we're going to send more missionaries. It doesn't matter what it costs, what it takes, we're going to go out as a church body and reach our community. It doesn't matter how much effort it takes, we're going to do everything we can to overcome every obstacle that may get in our way to bring more people to Jesus Christ. And we begin working together as a family, as a body of Christ, like Christ intended us to. When we get over all the other priorities that we have in, 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 that's been uh, in the wrong position, when we start praying like we've never prayed before, when we get overwhelmed with the needs around us and say, Jesus, only you can do it, I want to bring them to you. That's when we're going to see changes absolutely take place. I love verse number 12 because it must have been amazing to see this actually take place when this man, with those probably withered and atrophied arms and legs, suddenly just stretched out. It must have been amazing at the very mention of what Jesus Christ said to him that spoke right to his heart, that that changed his body, to watch this man stand up. No physical therapy needed. I don't see a cane mentioned. A walker was not given to him. Nothing whatsoever. Nothing happened out of anything but the miracle of Jesus Christ telling him, arise, take up thy bed and go thy way. This man stands up in front of everyone. What an incredible testimony of a changed life. I don't know when the next time I might get to come see you, but I hope to goodness next time I come, I'm introduced to people who maybe had a broken home that's been changed by Jesus Christ. I hope that I meet people who've seen the chains of addiction broken in their life by Jesus Christ. I hope I see people who were nominal Christians finally getting on fire for Jesus Christ, realizing what he's done in their life and how they need to get it out to more people. Because when we do, what's incredible about this is verse 12, and immediately he arose, took up the bed and went forth before them all, insomuch that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, I ain't ever seen nothing like that before. Wouldn't it be incredible to have Jamestown saying, I've never seen a church like faith. I've seen a lot of churches. We're in the Bible belt here. I've seen a lot of churches, but I've never seen a church like those folks. They've come together. They've put all the little fights aside. They pray together. I've never seen people pray like they pray. I've never seen people who work as a unit to see more people affected and more people ministered to in a community like what's going on over at faith. I'm just, I'm blown away. Only God could do something like that. Only God could do something like that. This morning, church, if I may encourage you, it's time in missions that we have more churches like this. People who would say, Bradley, I'm willing to grab my corner. I know pastor's busy and I know there's a lot of things going on, but if they need help singing in the choir, I'll sing in the choir. If they need help teaching a Sunday school class, I'll teach a Sunday school class. Is there a nursery worker needed? I'll be there. The shut-ins need visited, I'll go visit. There's a missions trip coming up, I'm going to sign up, I'm going to be a part. If they need help maybe distributing some tracts and some, uh, some invitations about the church, I'm willing to go see my neighbors about it. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to open my mouth to get myself involved for the cause of Jesus Christ because I believe he still performs miracles today. And we need this church. The body of Christ needs it. Your community needs it. Our world needs us serving together today. And if you're here this morning and you say, Bradley, there's so many times in my life, I feel like that man. There's maybe even some things that you mentioned today, Bradley, I've been facing and going through this morning. Can I tell you that there is hope in Jesus Christ? It's your only, only resource. He can change your life today. He can forgive sins. He can make you new by his grace, by his mercy.
Our Heavenly Father, today as we look at your word, I know this is different than maybe what I had planned, but what you laid on my heart to speak on this morning. I don't know every situation, I don't know every family, every story of the folks that are here today, but I could only imagine that there's folks who have been going through some hardships. There's probably people here today that can testify that they knew what it felt like to not have love until they met Jesus Christ. There may be others today who still don't know that. God, would you please speak to our hearts today? Would you bring a sense of unity amongst us to see the hurting world around us, to have compassion, to get them to a creator who can change each and every person that comes to him that calls on his name? You've told us in your word, if you would be lifted high, that you'll draw all men unto you, that you'll do the changing and the saving and the keeping. And today we trust you for that. Lord, convict us about our involvement. Convict us about our compassion. Work in our hearts, we pray today. In Christ's name, Pastor.